Welcome to the podcast of Life Church in Houston, Texas. We are so glad that you are joining us today. We hope that this message inspires your week, builds your faith, and ultimately brings you closer to Christ. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the podcast. I'm excited about the kingdom of God. I love to see God move in people's lives and change their life and to see them become a part of the kingdom and their whole life suddenly, instead of revolving around the things they've been involved in, it now revolves around God's will for their life and what God wants for their life. And I've seen it. I've seen it in my own family. I've seen it in uh, my wife's family. One of the incredible testimonies that that my wife uh, and her family share is that when her dad was uh, a younger man, uh, he, her, her mom and dad have already gone on to be with the Lord, but there was a, a moment uh, where there was a special meeting close to their home and, and how uh, my father-in-law went to the church and went to the services. I think it was some type of brush arbor or tent meeting and how God completely changed his life, baptized him in the spirit of the Holy Ghost. And, and I remember him telling me about the change that took place and then being around him and, and my wife's family and seeing the change that took place there, the, the change that took place in my own family when I heard the testimony of my grandfather and my grandmother, how they were converted and, and looking at my family. And, and there's just something amazing about being a part of the kingdom of God. And, and I'm so thankful for the life that I've been able to live just being a part of church. How many of you just love being a, a part of church? How many of you just love... Coming in and hearing the music and, and, and rejoicing and singing those beautiful songs. And, 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 and the kingdom is something that we should live for. As a matter of fact, this is what Jesus said in the book of Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. He said, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things, all the things that, that you really need, all the things that you really, uh, that, that God has put in your heart, they will be added to you. God has that plan for your life. There's a, another passage in the book of Colossians chapter 1 and verse 13 where it says, For he has rescued us, everybody say rescued, he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred, everybody say transferred, transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. Now, I, I, as we've been studying the kingdom, this particular verse ha, has really jumped out to me. And, and I, I, I thought about that. I thought about how there's two steps here in this verse in the book of Colossians. Why don't we just leave that up there? There's first of all, there is this rescue that God has given us. There is this rescue about how he has given us freedom from our enemies. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that I have freedom from the enemies of my soul. I'm thankful that I have freedom over sin. I'm thankful that I have freedom over death. I'm thankful that I have freedom over the forces of evil that would try to destroy my life. And the freedom is now that I can live a kingdom life, a godly life, a lifestyle that goes according to what my spirit says, not according to what my flesh says. Amen. 
We've seen a lot of people that only live according to what their flesh says, only according to what their nature says, constantly pulling us away from the kingdom of God. But now, because we've been rescued, we don't have those forces in our life anymore. And and what I love about this passage of Scripture is not only does it say He rescued us, but He transferred us into the kingdom of God. So this is what would happen back in the time that Paul wrote this. If there was some type of war, there was some type of battle, uh, for instance, when Rome would come in and they would uh, take, uh, take a, a, a city and, and conquer a city, the people of that city, for example, the city of Philippi, they became Roman citizens. Even though they were not around Rome or in Italy, the country that Rome was in, they actually became citizens of Rome. And this is what the Lord is saying in this passage of Scripture. Not only does He rescue us and set us free, but then He puts us in His kingdom so that we become a part of His family, that we become a part of His purpose, so that we become a part of His kingdom. Aren't you thankful for that? He rescues us and transfers us. He, 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 he transfers us from darkness to light. And he, he transfers us from slavery, slavery to sin in our nature, to, to freedom that God has for us. And if you are, haven't been a part of one of our freedom small groups, next week you need to sign up for that. It is so powerful. He, he, he rescued us from condemnation to uh, forgiveness. He, he transferred us to a place now where we walk as forgiven people. Oh my goodness, when I think about how he has forgiven me, did I deserve it? No. Does anybody in the building deserve it? Say it with me. No. But he did it because he loved us. And listen to this. He transferred us from the power of Satan to the power of the living God so that we can be a part of his kingdom. Amen. I love that song today when they started singing about I've seen him heal, I've seen him move, I've seen him change, I've seen him restore. That's what I believe. So today, as we talk about the kingdom, we're talking about this transferring, we're talking about seeking first. And the first point I just want to make is that when we really live for heaven's sake, it means that we do things God's way. We start doing things God's way. We, we don't come into the kingdom and start saying, well, I think that this is the way that things that sh- should be done. You know, God, God needs our participation. He needs our involvement, but he, he knows what he's doing. Everybody said amen. God knows what he's doing. And so what we have to do is bring our will into the place where we're serving our king, where the king gives these uh, orders to our life or these ways of living to our life. And as he gives us those things, we say, yes, Lord, that's the way that I will live. This is what we need to understand about the kingdom and about God's way. It is the will of God for us to be in relationship with Him. It is the will of God for us to walk with Him. It is the will of God for us to be close to Him. As a matter of fact, if you look from the beginning of the book to the end of the book, what you'll find, the great 
overarching story there is that God wants to be with us. And you can see that when you start in the garden. What is happening in the garden? In the garden, God is coming. He's walking with man. He's communing with them. They're, they're having conversations. There is a relationship there that, that is very sacred and, and that is very powerful. And, and of course, we know what happened there. We know that sin... Uh, eventually destroyed that and, and, and there was the sin nature and the gulf of sin. But then just look through the Bible and, and over and over again, this is what you'll see. You'll see God moving on prophets. You'll see God making promises. You'll see the apostles and the disciples preaching all about relationship, all about how God wants to bless us. And at the end of the book, at the end of this precious book, that we call the Bible, what do we see? We see heaven descending on earth, this holy city. And, and the last picture that we have is that our Lord and King is on the throne. And guess where we're at? We're all around Him worshiping and adoring Him and we're participating in His kingdom. That's what God wants. He wants us to walk with Him. He wants us to have this uh, understanding that the, the old age, the dominion of sin and the dominion of death, it, it's going to come to a close. Amen. It's going to end. And as the kingdom grows, it ends in individuals' life, but eventually it will end in the world and this world will become the kingdom of God. Amen. Amen. And I want you to think about that for a moment, how we do things God's way. We do things God's way because he's the one that has paid the price for us to do things his way. He's the one that has set the stage for us to, to be in this place where he is our king. He is our Lord and we are his children, his followers, his co-laborers, according to the word of God. And, and, and it's so beautiful that in this kingdom now, I know that there was a separation in the garden and I know that man has been trying to get back to God, but it's so beautiful that reconciliation for sin has been made through Jesus Christ. When I was sitting on the front row just a few moments ago and we were singing about Jesus, I, I could feel his presence. I, last night in our prayer at the League City campus, Bryce was talking about how let's make this life the, a, a place for God's presence to dwell. And that's what the Lord wants. I am, I am now reconciled to him. And, and the, I'm thankful for the death that he gave, the, the sacrifice that he made. We'll talk about that in our time of communion at the end of the service. But, but you know, another thing that I'm thinking of, I'm so thankful for is that while he died for my sins, death could not hold him. Anybody thankful for that? The grave could not hold him. And this is what takes place. The resurrection, you know what the resurrection is? It is the beginning of a victory over death for every one of us that are a part of the kingdom of God. Now, I know that I have loved ones that have gone on to be with the Lord and, and I miss them. I miss my mother. I miss my father. I, I miss my mother-in-law and my father-in-law and, and, and so many people. But, but this is my testimony of, of, about being in the kingdom is that when he was resurrected, 
it gave me the assurance that one day there will be victory over death. Amen. There'll be victory. Paul talked about it, how this corruption shall put on incorruption and the dead that are in Christ shall rise first. And and I am thankful that that is a moment of victory that is going to be shared by all those that are faithful to the house of, to the kingdom of God. Amen. Amen. So I'm thankful to be a part of the kingdom. I, I have to do it God's way. This is a part of my life now that I don't just live according to my desires and I don't live according to my philosophies, but, but for heaven's sake means that I just start saying to my life, to my mind, to my thoughts, to my actions, I want to live according to God's way. Everybody say that with me. I want to live according to God's way. I, I want you to say it again and say it like you really mean it. I want to live according to God's way. His way is better than my way. His way is above my way. His way is strength. Amen. His way is faithful. His way is sure. His way will, if I walk His way, He will help me to make sure I never stumble. Amen. This is what Jesus said in the book of Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 through 27. Therefore, everyone who hears These words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. Amen. The rock is the word of God. The walk, the rock is the way of God. The walk, the rock is the way that God wants us to live. It's his words. And this is what he said. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Please understand something here. It's not because of my skill in building. It's because of my skill in making sure where I build. I build on the foundation of Jesus Christ. I build on the Word of God. I do it His way. And because I do it His way, because I live according to God's way, then when the storms come, the winds blow, the the, the waves uh, crash, I will stand. But Jesus didn't end there. He said, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them to practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. You can be the greatest architect. You can have the greatest set of plans. You can build with the finest materials that you can find. You you can put all kind of safety measures in place. But if your foundation is on the sand, and according to this scripture, it means someone who hears the word but doesn't live by them, then when the storms come, your house will not stand. Anybody want to build a house that will stand? Come on, I want to see your hand today. Anybody want to build a house that will stand the storms of life? Bryce said it just a few moments ago. We're going to have difficult times. There's going to be times that are difficult. There's going to be times where things don't work out the way that we want them to work out. There are going to be catastrophic days. Anybody ever had one of those type of days? 
I, I have had days like that. I, I remember the day when I sat in the hospital with my mother 22 years ago and, and, and the, the, the doctor told her, you, you have cancer. You have lung cancer. Here, here my mother never smoked cigarettes. My, uh, nothing about her life should have uh, developed into lung cancer, and, and she had it. And, and I just remember our family as we absorbed that, that news, the, the weight of it. And, and, and my mother asked, well, well, how long do you think that I have? And, and the doctor said, well, when we start treatments and everything, you may have a year to live. And I'm telling you, that was like a, a, a hammer blow. And unfortunately, my mother only lived six weeks. She, she, she never was able to get into a treatment process to even combat the cancer. And I don't know that it would have done any good anyway. She was already so far advanced in the cancer. And that was a catastrophic day, guys. I want you to understand that was a day that shook me. And, and it's like those moments I have to say, where is my foundation? Because I don't understand all of this. But this is what I have found in the 22 years that it's been since we received that news. I have understood that while that was a catastrophic moment, that I can still see God's hand at play and at work in my life every step of the way. Now, that's not a testimony that's, that I, I don't share with a lot of people. I, I just wonder how many people in this room, how many people in Friendswood, you can say that you went through a catastrophic day, but you found that God was able to see you through. Come on, let's just give a testimony right now about the presence and the power of our mighty God. I'm so thankful for that. I, I'm so thankful that we can build on a rock that will stay. And, and when we talk about the kingdom, we, we need to understand, just like this foundation, the kingdom is a gift of God. It is His gift. It, it's not, again, my ability to build a nice house on the foundation. It's the foundation that keeps me strong. It is established doing things God's way. It is, it's not my way. It is just walking with God. And so listen, I want you to live for heaven's sake. I want you to live so that one day heaven will be your eternal home. I want you to live so that you will be with him, that you'll be a part of the kingdom. And a big part of living for heaven's sake is when we live doing things the way that God wants us to do them. Is there anything in your life right now? Is there anything in the way that you're acting? Is there any way in the way that you're saying, doing, talking? Is there any way that's not according to God's way? This is the simple thing. Stop doing it. Stop doing it. And start doing it God's way. Start doing it the way that God wants you to do it. Start doing it the way that God is talking to your heart to do it. Start doing it a way that, that God is bringing conviction and, 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 and bringing you back to Him. This is what I have found in my moments of weakness, in my moments of weakness, in my moments where my attitude isn't right, in the moments when I'm out of control in an area of my life. I can sense the still, small voice of the Lord drawing me back to Him. You know what He's saying then? He's saying, why don't you do it my way? Your way is not going to work. 
Your way is going to end up in destruction. Your way is going to end up in hardship. Your way is going to end up in, 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 a, in a terrible crash. You're, the storm's going to come and you're going to be shattered. Do it my way. Because if you do it my way, I'm going to walk with you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll always be with you. Does anybody want to do it God's way today? Friendswood, do you want to do it God's way today? You want to just live the way that God wants us to live? I, I, I think it would be appropriate right now for us just to pray that. I've got two more points to preach, but my goodness, I've already preached an amazing message to this point. So I think it would be a great place just to stop and say, Lord, I want to do it. Lord, just help us today. We've been praying in these 21 days for an awakening. And Lord, I know simply, uh, very simply, sometimes the awakening is just when we Walk away from the things that we're doing that aren't according to your will, God. And we just start doing the things that you want us to do. So I pray, dear Lord, that today everybody that is listening in the Houston campus, the Friendswood campus, and online, I pray that today that we would just hear your voice and that we would start walking according to the way that you want us to walk and we would live the way that you want us to live. For heaven's sake, in Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. Well, here's another point. Another point is the more you live for heaven's sake. In other words, the more that I live for the kingdom, the more that I live to, to please God, the more that I live to, to, to walk the way that he wants me to walk, the, the less I will fit into the world. The, the less I'll feel like that I'm comfortable in the culture of the world, the way of the world, the philosophy of the world. This is what um, Paul said to the church in Philippi. Remember now, the church in Philippi was not in Italy, not close to Rome. They were a colony of Rome. They had become Roman citizens. And from everything that I can read, it seems like that they were really proud of their Roman citizenship. It seems like they're really proud that they're a part of this incredible empire. And Paul, as he is writing to them from a prison in Rome, <laughs> kind of um, what a coincidence here. He, he's writing to them from a prison in Rome. And as he's writing to these uh, Philippians that are so full of nationalistic pride, I understand that. I, I'm, I'm proud to be a Texan. You thought I was going to say American, didn't you? I am proud to be an American too. You know, the next level of, of, of is Texan, and I'm thankful that God called me to Texas and man to Houston. And <laughs> I understand nationalistic pride. I understand. I, I'm the guy that when, when you go to the monuments in Washington, D.C., I'm the guy that's up there reading everything and tearing up because I see the sacrifices that people have paid and I see the, the meaningful uh, uh, message of our nation and I see what, what God has blessed us. I, I'm not saying that it's a perfect nation. Oh, no, 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 no. It's not perfect. It's man-made. It's, it, it's full of flaws. It's full of mistakes. It's full of uh, issues that, that, that happen all the time. And, and, and I, I'm not in any way saying that I'm thankful in a blanket statement, I, but I am proud to be an American. I would rather be an American than any other country in the world. And, and, and listen, the, the, the church in Philippi, they were feeling the same way. There is a nationalistic pride. I don't think that it's anything that is, is uh, um, 
unique to the Americans. I mean, I, I've been to the Philippines. People love being uh, from the Philippine Islands. I, I've, I've been to other parts of the world, and, and, and I've seen that in other parts of the world. I, I've seen that pride, and, and, and this is what Paul is saying. Before you're an American, <laughs> even before you're a Texan, you are a citizen of heaven. Can I just walk down that road just a little bit? But before you're, before you're a Republican or before you're a Democrat, you are a citizen of heaven. In other words, that supersedes all of the other things. It supersedes being a, a political, uh, part of a political party. It, it supersedes being a part of a, a, a nation, even, even the part of the greatest state in, in that nation. It supersedes my, my color, my, my uh, nationality, the, the amount of money that I have. First and foremost, I am living for heaven's sake because I am a citizen of heaven. I'm a citizen of heaven. And, and this is what he says, whatever happens, <laughs> that's a pretty blanket statement, isn't it? Whatever happens, well, that covers a whole lot of things. But whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner that is worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit striving together as one for the faith in the gospel. And I preached about this last week. Love of the world pushes out love for God. I mean, that's what John, 1 John chapter 3 is talking about. But love for God, you know what love for God does? The more I fall in love for God and with God and with his ways, the more that it starts pushing out my love for the things of this world. The more that I see the things of this world don't really have the substance that the love of God has. And again, Paul is really playing on this sense of identity, of citizenship, and even their responsibility that they felt to the Roman Empire. He's saying, feel that same type of responsibility to the kingdom of heaven. Feel, feel that same type of responsibility to conduct yourself as a citizen of heaven. Let me read that same passage from another translation, the New Living Translation, First uh, uh, Philippians chapter 1 and 27. Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven. I, I think we could read this in concert. Will you read that first line with me? Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourself in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Someone thankful that you know the good news of Jesus Christ? Are you thankful of the message of Jesus Christ and how he loved us and how he died for us and how he paid the penalty of our sin? I'm thankful. That's some good news. I want to walk worthy of that. I want to conduct myself worthy of that. Then, whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. I, I think this is what Paul is saying and, and a message that I would give you today, a message that I would preach to myself today. He wants them to know, he wants us to know that our new citizenship, our real citizenship 
is in heaven. It's in the kingdom of God. it's It's a nation, it's a country, it's a people it's a group that has no borders. It has no, no boundaries. It is made up of every type of person that is in the world, speaking every type of language that is in the world. That is what my citizenship belongs to. My, my earthly conduct of, of a heavenly citizen, that's how I want to live. I want to live with earthly conduct according to what my citizenship is. And my citizenship is of Heaven, my citizenship is of the kingdom. It's kingdom first. And just as Philippi was, was this city that was powerful and influential and, and was, was basically a colony of Rome, that's what the church is today in the world. We are a colony of the kingdom of heaven. And the intention of our king is not just to put out colonies, but it's to completely saturate the world with his kingdom and with his leadership. And so if I am truly a citizenship of heaven, if I am a part of this church, which is the representation of our Christ on earth today, then I ought to behave as a citizen of heaven. Uh, to behave as one. I, 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 want, I want this. I want my conduct to match my belief. It's easy to come in on Sunday and say, this is what I believe and, and worship and lift up the Lord. But it's something entirely different to live it out on a daily basis. Am I right about that? Somebody give me a testimony. Yeah, you're right, Pastor. It, it, it's something that is hard to do sometimes because we're dealing with our flesh and we're dealing with our issues and we're dealing with our hurts and we're dealing with our desires. But I want my walk to measure up to my talk. I want to walk worthy of the kingdom of God. And I would just ask you here today, is your walk measuring up to your kingdom talk? Is your walk measuring up to your Sunday worship talk? Is your walk measuring up? Don't be intimidated. Don't be intimidated when you leave these rooms, uh, uh, leave these doors, when you walk out of the auditorium at Friendswood. Don't be intimidated to fit into the culture of the world. We live above that. And here's the good news why we don't have to be intimidated. Our Lord and our Savior has already overcome the world and the powers of the world. He's already overcome it. I don't have to live according to the power of the world because the world has no power in me because I have the love of the Father in me and He is the one that is my King. He is the one that is my Lord. He is the one that is my leader. He is the one that I live for. And the more that I love Him, the more that I live for Him, the more it pushes out, the more I don't fit into the world, the more that I walk in the world and I hear their philosophies and I hear the way they live and I hear the things that they do and it doesn't match up with what my spirit is saying. It doesn't match up with what my desire is. It doesn't match up with what my purpose is. It doesn't match up with what my direction is. I find that I'm walking contrary to the world that is around me. I'm swimming upstream 
extreme because I am part of the kingdom of the mighty God and I live according to his purpose. I don't have to be intimidated because I know he's overcome. This is what Jesus said in John 16 and 33. I have told you these things so that in me you have peace. (laughs) He's talking to a bunch of disciples that are fixing to go into a world that is full of trouble, full of uh, controversy. Disciples that are fixing to go into the world where they'll be tortured, crucified, stoned, uh, pierced with swords. And he has the nerve to tell them to have peace. You know why he can say that? In this world you'll have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. I've overcome it. John, this same writer that Jesus spoke through in John chapter 16, he wrote some letters years later. And in his first letter, 1 John 4 and 4, this is what he says. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them because... (laughs) Everybody say, because. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Greater. I don't have to be intimidated because one that is in me is greater than all of the forces in the world. He is undefeated. He is the champion. So when I go into the world and I'm fighting all of these feelings and I'm fighting all of these temptations and I'm fighting all of these lusts and I'm fighting all of these issues and I'm fighting all of these things, there's one inside of me that is greater than every sin that has ever been conceived in the mind of man. There's one inside of me that is greater than every philosophy of mankind. Every sickness that is in the world, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Amen. Is anybody thankful for that this morning? See, we are of God. And we've been transformed. We've been transformed. We've we've changed uh, our allegiance from the kingdom of this world and the desires of our flesh to the kingdom of God. We're living for heaven's sake. We're, We're living for the sake of the king. And, and, and listen, that doesn't mean that people around us are going to like that. When we live for the kingdom of heaven, they're not necessarily going to like that. I, I, I can remember um, people that I really uh, followed when I was younger in, in, in Houston sports. And, and when they would get uh, uh, have a great game at the summit or have a great game at the Astrodome or, or, or I don't even want to talk about the Oilers, God, for, forgive them. I'm not rejoicing that they lost last night. The truth is, when we had one of those players that we loved and and followed and cheered for when he was traded and he had on the jersey from the other team, boy, he didn't have the same type of welcome when he came to Houston, did he? You know, we, we, not me, but other people would boo. And, and when we change teams, when we, when we move from the kingdom of this world into the kingdom of our Lord and Savior, there's going to be people that are not going to appreciate it. They're not going to support it. But it doesn't matter because the more I live for the kingdom, 
The more I love God, the more I don't fit in on that team anymore. The more I can't play the way that they play. I've got a new playbook. I'm playing now for the kingdom of God. I have been transformed. I've got one more point here. And that is when I live for heaven's sake, it means I'm living according to my original intent. The, the, the reason that I was created. I've said this and, and, and I want to say it again. I'll say it a hundred more times if the Lord will let me. The best life that I could ever live is the life that God created me to live. That, that, that's the best life. That, uh, that original intent that God had for me. That original intent that God had for my life. Look, look at Ephesians chapter 2 and 10. I, I, I'm going to skip a scripture there for the team. But Ephesians 2 and 10 says it like this. For we are His workmanship. I preach so many messages about this. It's such a beautiful phrase that the scripture used to describe us. Uh, I, I know that when we think about workmanship, it's like, uh, you know, it, it seems very, um, you know, commercial, but, you know, but that's, that's, it's not cookie cutter. It's not a, an assembly line. That, that, that's not what God is doing. The, the original word of workmanship in the Greek, it's, uh, it, it, it's the a Greek word we also get the word poem from. Th think about this. If you bought a, a book of poems, you know, I, I own several myself. I, I don't know. I don't know if you read poems, but no, I'm not. Not really. I'm, I'm not that culture. But I do like a good poem. But what if you got what, down and you went to um, Barnes and Noble and, and you said, you know, I'm going to buy a book of poems and you bought a book of poems and, and the first poem that you opened to was just amazing. It was just it, it, emotion, uh, the, the way that it described things, the way that it that brought your uh, imagination to life to look at something and you would say, man, this is amazing. I'm so glad that I got this. And then you would turn the page and it was the same poem. And you turn the next page and it was the same poem and it was the same poem and you would think, my goodness, why did they sell me a whole book? Just give me a piece of paper with the poem on it. That's what's the beauty of poetry. The beauty of poetry is that it addresses so many different things and, and in so many different ways and touches so many different emotions and, and put that scripture back up. That's what it means when it says that we are his workmanship. We're all different and important and special in the eyes of God. Uniquely created. Created in Christ Jesus. So why are we created as this work of art? We are created in Jesus Christ. Say it with me. For good works. My, my purpose. My original intent. What God intended for me to do. I, I, I know that there are, there are times that we see things that have been created for a purpose and, and they're being used for something else and, and it always brings a laugh. Really, it does. You know, if you, if you, uh, if you see somebody uh, hammering a nail in with a screwdriver, it's like, boy, that's not what that... I have done that, but I'm not saying it's something you should do. You know, there, there, there's a hammer that is created to hammer nails. There is a screwdriver that, is, and the original intent. I, what is my? I, I've been created for good works. 
I've been created to do something for Christ. Put that scripture back up there, please. So if I am created for good works, then I should do those. Well, what are these good works? These are good works which God prepared beforehand. It's something that he thought about before he even created you. I need someone to fulfill this purpose. So this is what my creation of this person will do. It will fulfill this purpose. God prepared beforehand. And this is what we should do. We should seek those things. We should seek what God has created us for. Does anybody believe that with me, that we should seek those things? We should pursue the things that God has created us for. We, we should make up our mind. We're not going to let anything keep us away from pursuing what God has created in my heart to do, those good works. I, I, I want to make sure that I pursue them. I want to make sure that I find them. I want to make sure that I walk in them, that I walk in those good works that my God has created for me. So live for heaven's sake. Everybody say live for heaven's sake. Live for heaven's sake. Live because you're now a part of the kingdom of God. Live uh, where you walk worthy of, of that calling. Live with loving it so much that you no longer fit into the world. And, and live uh, walking according to the purpose of God so that you find His purpose for your life. Your purpose. I, I, I don't want to retell the testimony of, of my son, but, you know, my wife and I, um, it's his testimony, but I, I'm just going to touch on it. You know, my wife and I watched Bo. We, we watched the purpose that God created for him for be shattered. I, I mean, the, the moment that, that we delivered him to the Marines, it was actually about... A hundred yards from here, sitting in the middle of that parking lot early one morning. I don't remember what morning it was. Monday morning. Mama remembers. <laughs> I, I just remember the devastation of watching him leave. Knowing, I, I don't think that this is what God created him to do. I'm Again, I'm thankful for our country and I know they're, I'm not going to get into that. It was a waste. But this is what I, I know. That while the purpose was broken in him, God's purpose wasn't broken. And while he was shattered and according to his own testimony, went a long way away from God, God wasn't done. And, and just as God sought him out, just as God sought him out to fulfill purpose, God's seeking you out. I, I, don't, I don't care how broken you are. And I'm not in any way diminishing the effect of brokenness in your life. I, I know how brokenness feels. But in the midst of brokenness, 
there is a potter that has in his mind that work of art. And if we'll allow him to put his hands back in our life and put ourselves back on the potter's wheel, this is what God will do. He'll mold us and shape us and put us back into the place of our purpose and what he wants for our life. So I come against brokenness today. Friendswood, Houston, I come against the work of the enemy in our life, the devastation that comes from situations that happen. And, and I call for you to pursue what God's purpose is for your life. Would you stand with me? Now, I, the band, if y'all will come out. We end our 21 days today. Let's leave the lights up because we're going to take communion. They'll need to see. Let's turn the lights back up. You know, if you came in and you received a communion cup, that's great. If you don't have one, please hold your hand up. Ushers, if you'll be ready to help, hold your hand up high. We want everybody. There's, there's quite a few people that haven't received one. I, I don't have one either, so somebody bring me one. But at the end of this 21 days, and this is what we've done for years, we spend this time together in communion. We spend this time together just talking to the Lord. And, and I, I really felt that communion uh, fits with the message that we pray today. Because this, this is what communion is. Thank you, Rick. The communion is about Jesus Christ. It, it, at the core of this practice that the church is supposed to do, the, the, at the... At the, at the at the center of it all is I'm putting my eyes back on Jesus. Everybody say, I'm just putting my eyes on Jesus. And this is what focusing on Jesus does. It removes distractions. And anything that is not according to the will of God for your life and not according to the purpose that God has for you, it's, it's nothing more than a distraction. Friends would, if you don't have a communion cup, please hold your hand up. Make sure that everybody has their... It, it, it's focused. As a moment right now, we are focusing on this, on Jesus Christ, on what He's done for us. And it removes the distractions in our life. And, and this is why Jesus told them, do this. And, and I'm going to read here in a moment from the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 11, where Paul talks about how Jesus spoke to him. But, but this is why he did it. He wanted us to celebrate what he has done for us. I, I know the cross and celebration don't seem to fit in the same sentence. But that's really what we do in our time of taking the Lord's Supper. We, we celebrate that He won an incredible victory for us on that day. It, it, it's not only a celebration, but it's a, it's a somber moment of memory, remembering Remembering the blood that was shed, the body that was beaten. And it is, a, it is a church, it is our proclamation to the world today. I, I don't care what you say. 
we believe in Jesus Christ. And we believe that he died for us. And we believe that he shed his blood for us. And we believe that that blood was the sacrifice for my sins. It covers me today. It's a celebration. It's a remembering. And it is a proclamation. This is what it does. It reminds us and declares in our own life that while he died 2,000 almost years ago, he is with us today. He is with us. Yes. It celebrates the cross, but it also acknowledges that He is alive and that He is in me today and that He walks with me today. And uh, I'm thankful that I can remember. Now, I don't quite understand this, but I, I, I I I I can understand your point of of you for everybody that says, but I'm afraid to take it because it talks about how if I take it unworthily and all of that stuff. And I understand that. You, you've got to look at the big picture of Jesus Christ and, and how forgiving He is. And, and as Paul is telling the church in Corinth about taking the supper, this is what he does. He says, just examine yourself. Just, just look at yourself. And if there's something there that is not pleasing, if there's something there that is wrong, what can we do? We can repent. And He is faithful to forgive us. And so, um, I'd like for us to do that here just before we take our communion together. I'd like for us to take a moment of just silence. And I'd like for us to Look in our heart, friends. We just look in your heart and see if there's something there that is not pleasing to God. And in a moment, I'm just going to come and say a prayer of repentance and we'll pray together and God forgives. Let's just bow your head and close your eyes and let's take about 15 seconds here and just examine our heart. Lord, I speak for myself, but I think I speak for so many people that are in this room. I really cringe when I look inwardly. I I see so many things, dear Lord, that I know is not like you and, and not what you want me to be. And hear my cry, Lord. I want to be like you. I want to live for your kingdom. I want my walk to measure my talk, Lord. And so I just pray right now a prayer of repentance for me. I pray a spirit of repentance to fall upon our Houston campus, our Friendswood campus, our online campus. I pray, dear Lord, that you would just examine us and change us. Forgive us, Lord. If there is anything 
that is in my heart that is not pleasing to you, God. Reveal it. Shine your light on it. Don't let it hide in the darkness. And forgive me, oh God. Forgive us, oh God. Because we are so thankful that you gave your life for us. We're so thankful that we can partake of this and and we want, dear Lord, for you to know how we celebrate that moment, how we remember that moment, and how we proclaim that you are the mighty God, the Lord of our life. And we're thankful that even today you live with us, oh God. We're thankful for that. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Now, I want the team here to just lead us in a course. And friends, would you're going to stay with us until after the communion. But as Bryce leads us and as we sing, I'd like for you to take just the next few minutes. We're not going to take long here just saying, Lord, I want your will in my life. And then we'll come back and take the communion before we dismiss. Oh, come to the altar, the Father's arms are open wide, forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, come to the altar, the Father's arms are open Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, sing that one more time. Oh, come to the altar, the Father's arms are was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, come to the altar, the Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. take that wafer out fill that top layer back let me just read this passage of scripture to you that Paul has given to the church in Corinth when he was giving them instruction on how to receive the Lord's Supper he said in verse 23 for I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread And when giving thanks, he broke it and said, Take and eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So they take this little wafer and it it symbolizes all that Jesus went through to pay the price for us. So we do this in remembrance of the stripes, the thorns that were thrust down into his skull, the lashes that he received on his back, the 
slaps on his face, the ripping of his beard out of his chin, the piercing of the spear, the piercing of his hands, the piercing of his feet with the nails. We do this in remember of him. Can we just take this together? Thank you, Jesus. We take this little cup. He goes on to say, in the same manner, he also took the cup after service, after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, Proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. So this symbolizes that blood that was shed for you and me on Calvary. Who shed for our sins. Let's take this together. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Can we just worship the Lord here and in Friendswood together? Thank you, Lord, for all that you have done for us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Can you just lift your hands and let's love Him for a moment. Thank you, O Lord, for your sacrifice. Thank you, O Lord, for giving Yourself. We thank You for it, Lord. In Jesus' name. Everyone said in Jesus' name. Friendswood, I turn you back to Pastor Tito. God bless you. I'll see you next Sunday. Houston campus, I'd like for the prayer team to come and stand here. I, I know that we've gone a little long with communion, but I really feel like we need to give an opportunity for people to pray.